everybody, and welcome to episode 285 of Vigigame Apocalypse. We're getting into the spooky month, the spooky spooky. episodes, because it's October. I'm your host, Bad Dracula Impression, Michael Reparas. Who else is here in the ethereal Tyler Wilde Memorial Studio with me? Is is this like, it's veering into an offensive Indian stereotype, Uh, I feel like. I I, I was thinking more you were going Count Chocula. Uh, That's what I was trying to do, or, or like Count Floyd from SCTV. Anyway, someone else. Okay, uh, fine. This is Matthew Bonesaw is ready, Alan. That's a good one. And who else? Special guest joining us for the first time. It's winner of the 1998 Favorite Rap Hip Hop Artist Grammy Award, Joshua Shu. Bones, Thugs, and Harmony. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Ah, Bone, Thugs, and Harmony. Nice, nice, nice. Well done, well done. So uh, where, where might people have heard you or heard of you? Well, most people who are on the WrestleTime page would know me because mm. I'm very adamant about posting my wrestling podcast, Potty Slam, over there every week. Uh, so, And then, yeah, I'm on the LaserTime forums quite a bit. Very nice, very nice. And, and you also host a couple of other podcasts, isn't that right? Yeah, I sure do. I'm also on a kind of a conspiracy podcast where we... Make fun of conspiracies. We look into them, see if they're true or not, and all that jazz. And that's called Conspiracy Therapy. And mm. a music history podcast, uh, kind of in the same vein as uh, Potty Slam, called Off Tempo Podcast. Nice. Nice. And uh, a regular co-host, Chris Antista, can't join us because we're recording this on Wednesday. And as you might be aware, if you're watching the news, Florida is currently being torn apart by a hurricane. Hurricane you, in fact. Yeah, hurricane me. <laughs> I, it's named after me because it is me. I'm El Nino. Yeah, Floridians are experiencing a brief moment of calm. It's just because I, I took human form to record this show. <laughs> or did I? <laughs> That was last week's secret sound. Uh, <laughs> that's that's one for the uh, the conspiracy podcast, I guess. Anyway, we've got a fun show ahead. Uh, as I said earlier, we we are getting into October a week late. Uh, traditionally, with Vigigam Apocalypse, that means we go into a month of Halloween themed spooky shows with spooky premises that aren't really that spooky but are somewhat macabre. Uh, for example, this week. We're going to be talking about skeleton heroes, playable skeletons. You can play through an entire game as them. They're they're bony, they're screaming, uh, sometimes they wave swords around, but they're yours to control. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> to be fair to us, week one was terrifying. It was the scariest thing of all. Unemployment mm-hmm. was about the show yes, because we talked actually, about yes, that's, a, that's an excellent point. <laughs> I hadn't considered that. I wish I'd played up that angle. <laughs> so we're in week two of terrifying spooky podcasts. Yes, fair enough. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Hide your it, kids. Hide your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess the the effect of my uh, spooky fingers isn't coming. Through. I felt it. Yeah, I you felt, felt it because you the energy me. was right here. It's theater of the mind. I have to ask, Michael, what gave you this idea for the skeleton skeleton heroes, playable skeletons? Well, actually, it's one of the games on this list that gave it to me, and I realized, like, oh, that's it's not the only one. There are quite a few more, mm-hmm. uh, and sure, this is worth exploring and delving into for Halloween. Everyone loves skeletons. We've we've all got a little skeleton inside of us. Sometimes a big skeleton it really depends on the size of your body, but uh, <laughs> it's there. You know, it's there. Are you calling me fat? <laughs> <laughs> Saying child size versus adult size. I don't know. 
<laughs> if you're an adult with a child-sized skeleton inside of you, you probably ate it. Uh, <laughs> gross. What? And we've got some fun games to talk about this week. One of the the biggest one I don't think any of us have played yet, which is Call of Duty, because it comes out Friday. I, I know it's uh, it doesn't have any single player. There's no campaign, so I might uh, give it a pass this year. You might say it's a skeleton of itself. Ah, you might, except that it has Battle Royale now. Uh, yes, Blackout. Mm-hmm. Please, Blackout please, please. Ah, yes. Blackout, uh, trademark symbol, not yet Circle R. They're, they're uh-huh, still waiting uh-huh. on the registered trademark. And uh, WW2K9. 19. Yes, it's yes, also... yes. The new WWE game came out earlier this week, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have Josh on, because mm-hmm. as he mentions, he hosts the Potty Slam podcast, of which I was a recent guest. And we, so we should clarify that's Pod E Slam, not like Potty Slam, right? Like No, it's Potty. It's P O T T Y. P O T T Y? No, it's it's Potty. It's P O D Y. Uh, we were but, trying to be clever. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't want to be the only wrestling guy around when we talked about uh, 2K19. So I, I said, Josh, let's talk wrestling. All right, cool. So with that in mind, uh, let's jump into the top five skeletons right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the LazerTime network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. It was, But other than that, I'm with people who enjoy the movie because it's good Venom. That's the thing, they don't pull any punches like... Venom's biting people's heads off and yeah, eating people. Yeah, I mean, it's not gratuitous in when it happens. It's, off, it's, it's, it's always it's, off screen, yeah, it's but, it's, but it is happening. Yeah. And they're a, joking about it. When I'm watching Venom, like, I swear I thought this was different. And then I realized I was thinking for the trailer for Upgrade, which is also Tom Hardy, where he wakes up with something else, like, with another, like, biotics in his body that take control of him and argue with him. Shit, I don't remember that. And it's like the exact same thing that happens in Venom. <laughs> and it's also the exact same accent. Yeah, Tom Hardy got this parasite. <laughs> what is up with this? Is he making fun of us? I don't know. He sounds more like that guy that played, what is his name? Steve, the boyfriend on Sex and the oh, City so, or whatever. Oh, I'm such a wiener, Miranda. Uh, I work at the bar. I'm just such a wuss. I, I don't respect me either, Miranda. Yeah, the Eddie Brock voice is just, I, I didn't much care for I, it. I just watched Dunkirk with my dad and just Tom Hardy like, 15 minutes, several gallons, like, your voice is normal, man. What's happening? How come when you affect American accent, you just get so derpy? Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing all that, <laughs> boss. Like, I'm Eddie Brock, crack reporter. I got the most famous show on YouTube. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And we're back to talk about what, Matt? Uh, the top five playable skeleton games. Yeah, playable skeleton games. This is a, a great, uh, relevant topic that everyone can relate to, I think, as will be illustrated by our... Number five. <laughs> you got cackling, you got some explosive noises. Who could this be? No idea. Uh, <laughs> no clue. <laughs> this... I, I, I'm just going to spell it out. Maybe this this will clue you in a little more. Because it's going to yell the name of the skeleton. Ah. Spinal! Ah! 
Everyone loves Spinal, the pirate or possibly Viking skeleton from Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct, yes, Spinal. Yeah, one of one of the original great playable skeletons. Uh, he was he really was just a skeleton with a sword and a shield and a headband in the original game. Uh, here's some sounds of him getting his ass kicked by Cinder. <laughs> All, all of the shrieks are his, uh, of course. And Spinal has appeared in every Killer Instinct game. Mm-hmm. The The first game, I remember his, his ending is like he decides to become a movie star, but has difficulty finding roles with any meat to them. Oh, dear lord. This is rare, remember. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, and and from then on, it's it, it's taken a little more seriously. It's it sort of seems to the canon differs on whether like he's been revived and given unholy life by this evil corporation, or if it's like an artifact was stolen and so he's cursed to remain alive. Or someone took a piece of treasure from a cursed pirate ship. Yeah. And then you know only when in full moonlight he turns into the skeleton. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a little. Yeah, he doesn't have a human form, as far as I know. Although he does, in the Xbox One Killer Instinct, he has a uh, shield that has, like, moving tentacles on it. So it's sort of like a little Davy Jones tribute, maybe? Like I said. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe hearkening to some other popular movie featuring skeletal pirates. Just saying. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know about you guys, but when the game came out for the SNES, I... My brother and I, I remember we played the hell out of the game, and mm-hmm. he was one of those characters that I think we both avoided, like the plague, just because he didn't seem interesting. But we found that if you mastered him and like you could collect the um, like sp- spirits or whatever it was, those little things that appeared under your health bar, you could really unleash. Uh, quite a bit of damage on people. It was actually very good if you learned how to play him. It's, it's one of those things that he's like, yeah, he's kind of icky, but uh, it's it's really cool that he's here. Yeah, I just feel like skeletons are like this default enemy, and so maybe that's why he didn't seem that exciting to use. It's kind of mm. like, yeah, they're usually one of the first enemies you fight in a game, and it's, yeah, all right, it's just a skeleton. But pirate skeleton, yeah. come on, mm-hmm. come on. It's also kind of strange, like, playing the uh, SNES version now as opposed to, like, you know, the arcade version. I remember thinking at the time, like, the SNES version, it's such a downgrade. Like, look at these chunky, ugly graphics. Like, it's really impressive that they managed to sort of replicate this experience, but it doesn't feel the same. And then, like, you go back and you compare them side to side now, it's like, well, there's a little more fidelity on the arcade version, but it's it's actually a pretty good conversion. That's overall. how you know Michael's yeah. a real gamer is he's talking about downgrades from, from yeah. seeing <laughs> one original version to the next. I mean, you know, the arcade version had reflections in the puddles, but... Uh, a lot more puddles yeah, in that first yeah, Killer Instinct. Yeah. No, that was Clay Fighter. There's a lot more puddle effects. Also, the, uh, the, Ninten- the SNES version didn't have lyrics in the music that was playing to distract you, so you had to play the Killer Cut CD that came with every copy instead. <laughs> Blasphemy. Yeah, and quickly became a must-have item for any teenager who is into electronic dance music. Uh, anyway, let's move on to... Number four. <laughs> who talks like he doesn't have a jaw? Um, so Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
maybe someone without a jaw. Maybe Sir Daniel Fortescue. Yes, <laughs> of medieval. Uh, yeah, me- yeah, medi. Medieval. How do, you, how do you pronounce it? It's medieval. I think it's probably just medieval. But yeah, but it's spelled so weird. Medieval. Medieval, uh, which is 20 years old this week. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was originally produced for PlayStation 1. And I think like, I was actually kind of surprised just reading some basic surface level stuff about the development that it was the creative director uh, was also... The a person who'd worked on the James Pond series <laughs> and had just just finished James Pond three and went on to working on Medieval and uh, that it was being shopped around for a while and uh, finally Sony saw it and was so impressed by it that uh, they they decided to pick it up as an exclusive and absorb the developer as uh, SCE Studio Cambridge, which then went on to create games like Primal and Ghost Hunter. I do like the working title for the game was Dead Man Dan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, too close to Deadhead Fred, probably. And, and I don't know why the name trips me up so much, because it is a play on medieval, right? But it's yeah. instead of A-L, it's I-L. But it's just, it's the font they used, or the way they would spell it out, where they would use the, uh, I think they used the uppercase E. It always just threw me. Mm. I was just like, what the hell are they going for here? Yeah. But this was one of those games where, like, you couldn't escape the marketing for it. Like, I feel like it was everywhere. And it was touted as just like, no, this is the next big awesome game. And then it came out and I was like, huh, yeah, it was, it was a fun hack and slash. Yeah, it's all right. It, you know, it was like originally supposed to be more like a Ghosts and Goblins kind of game. Yeah, and like 3D Ghosts and Goblins. Yeah, right? and then, which we saw later with Maximo. I was and, just about to say, we, yeah. we got that and that was very good. Became a little more Zelda-y and, uh, you know, had, like, you could just get a bunch of different weapons, clubs and swords and throwing daggers and shields. I kind of missed it when it first came out and going back and playing it now, it's like, oh, it's just a lot of like zombies that walk around in literal T-poses. It's just, yeah, it's just <laughs> arms and legs just splayed and just sort of wobbling stiffly around, but uh, but that that's cool. I vaguely remember getting my uh, Pizza Hut demo and I had all my fill of medieval or medieval hmm. just off of that alone see that might tell you that that might explain why i thought it was everywhere that tells you a lot about my diet as a kid the fact that i'm like it was everywhere i was <laughs> probably pizza just eating hut. a Every ton of pizza, pizza hut. Hut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that i couldn't escape the land before time i don't get it they were everywhere it's like no you just went to pizza hut a lot dude well it was one of those games that it's like yeah you did see ads for it all over the place and yeah. prominent store displays but like i never knew anyone who actually played it or talked glowingly about it it's kind of a goofy game obviously you're playing as a one-eyed, jawless skeleton in armor named Sir Daniel Fortescue, who's buried in a crypt, uh, given a hero's burial, but he has a very dark secret. He had to fight a, an evil wizard named Zarok, like, a hundred years ago. Would you say he had a skeleton in his closet? He did have a skeleton very in his dark closet, secret. yes. He, he was uh, well leading the charge against Zarok and killed by the very first arrow shot in the battle. <laughs> but that was... <laughs> That was a PR disaster for the kingdom, so the king made him out to be a hero who died defeating mm. the evil wizard. Um, nothing could be further from the truth, but he is raised from the grave and given a second chance. The fog of war and the shrouds of time conspire to turn the arrow fodder into the savior of the day. But we know it's better. <laughs> Let it alone. 
fate has given it a second chance. A chance to forget the ignoble truth. Yeah, those are a couple of stone heads that talk to you at the beginning of the game. There is Fortescue trying to say, I'll show you. Mm, of course. He's, he is yeah. subtitled throughout the game, but he just kind of talks in herms. Well, like you said, he has no lower jaw. Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of hard to talk. And uh, and that actually carries over. So at, at the end of the first game, uh, if you do everything right, he gets to go and uh, get his eternal reward by resting in the Hall of Heroes with other genuine heroes. But then he, in the sequel, Medieval 2, comes back to life sometime in the Victorian age when... Uh, uh, something disturbs the museum where he's being exhibited. He's, his corpse is a museum exhibit, which might seem strange, except we did that to all those mummies, so uh, whatever. Of course, of course. The PlayStation era was not the end for Fortescue. He came back to PSP for Medieval Resurrection, which was a just a remake of the first game, but it added like a genie that lived in his head for for like a new subplot. And then he was also in... PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. And one of the neat yep. things about this game was that it gave every single character an arch nemesis and had them interact with it. And his arch nemesis was, of all characters, Colonel Raddick from Killzone. Tell me who you are and why I should let you walk away. Not good enough, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's a little difficult to take a, a Hellgast soldier like pointing a shotgun at a cartoon skeleton's head very seriously. But what he says there is, I'm the hero of Galomere. I'll show you. I guess that's his catchphrase. Is, I'll show you. It just shows you how much they had to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel for characters for that game. It's like PlayStation <laughs> All-Stars sounds great. It's like Sony's answer to Smash. And like, all right, who we got? What characters we got? And it's like, mm -hmm. um... We got that guy from Medieval. Yeah, get him. Get him. Put him in there. <laughs> I think one of the reasons that he was included is he was fairly important to Sony and that this was one of the first 3D games um, that supported use of the analog controller. And mm -hmm. so I mean, like, we kind of make fun. Like, yeah, the game didn't make a huge splash or anything, but it was trying lots of new things, you know, in, in an era like it, this was around the time of like the Mario 64s of the world. So people were still very much figuring out 3D and how you play 3D and how you do a brawler like this in 3D. Yeah. Not well, I guess. No. no, no. It's, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. It's fun playing as Daniel. Because it's, it's fun playing as a comedic character who pretty much everybody uh, hates. Either it pities or hates, but mostly hates. By God, Fortescue, you must be the luckiest corpse ever to walk the face of the earth. I have something here I can lend to you. Take it or leave it. But remember, I'm only doing this for the sake of Galomir's doomed population, and not for you, you gangly buffoon! That's one of the genuine <laughs> heroes. Every every so often you can go into the Hall of Heroes and talk to an, uh, the statue of an actual hero who will give you some useful item. And as, as you're, I think, collecting chalices, uh, you become more of a genuine hero. So, like, your own statue is sort of ghostly, but it becomes more solid as the game progresses, and you earn your place there. Darn right. You, you yeah. mentioned, like, a lot of people didn't like him. I don't know if this is true or not, but I was reading up on this game, mm -hmm. and uh, apparently uh, in an, uh, an issue of Retro Gamer, 
Uh, there's a quote from the designer saying that Sir Daniel actually came to be sort of a sex symbol in France. And that he says female gamers really liked him. What? Which is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. This cannot be true. No, he's, he's a misshapen skull. That sounds like a weird story <laughs> planted to, to unfairly tar the French as perverts. Unfairly. <laughs> and all the men went to him and said, I have a bone to pick with you. Mm. Or a boner. Oh, God. (laughs) Let's move on. Number three. This is one you guys probably won't get because most people didn't get it. Is this... I'm probably going to say it wrong. Uh Is this Dokuro or Dokuro? Dokuro, yeah. Dokuro. Which I think means skull in Japanese. Okay. But Dokuro is this very absurdly charming... Uh, puzzle platformer it originally came out for Vita. Uh, got pretty good reviews. Nobody played it. Absolutely nobody. Yeah, you just said it was on the Vita. Yeah, and it, yeah. it later came to um, to mobile and to Switch. Uh, you can. It's pretty. I should say it's pretty much the same game on both of those. To the point where, like, yeah, the Switch version supports the Joy Cons, but like by default, it has touchscreen controls displayed. You can make those go away. Oh wow! But there is like an eight dollar difference between the two versions. So you know, maybe mobile's yeah. more for you. It's dirt cheap. It's a dollar on mobile. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. It has sort of like a, a chalky children's book style of uh, of art direction, and it's the story of a little skeleton who is a minion in a demon's army and who falls in love with a kidnapped princess. And the twist is that she can't actually see him most of the time. So what your your job is is to uh, she she just moves in a straight line like a lemming. And you have to clear a path for her, make it all straight, make it so that she can walk along, raise platforms. You you have some interesting powers. You have red and white chalk that you can use to, like, connect things or create fuses between fire sources and explosives, for example. Yeah, it's funny you bring up lemmings. That was the example I was going to give. It is, it's, like, it's like a puzzle platformer action game in that, like, you really... It just kind of it takes you from scene to scene, and you have to try to figure out like how do I get the princess somewhere safely so she doesn't fall in a pit or so, mm-hmm. so she doesn't walk on spikes or anything like that. Yeah, uh, and and it's I love those kind of games because it's like they're not like super tough. It's not like the witness puzzle solving or anything, but mm-hmm. it's like they're just tough enough where you feel really smart after completing yeah. one and and you know bashing your head against it for like. None of these are going to take longer yeah. than a minute or two to figure and, out. And if it takes longer than that, there's also a skip function. So oh, nice. remember when games <laughs> used to do that all the time? Just let you skip levels. Uh, but yeah, at the beginning of the game, Dokoro witnesses. He, he's just there in the room witnessing uh, the Dark Lord trying to make the princess fall in love with him. So he takes a potion that's supposed to make him handsome, but instead turns him into just like uh, a, this creature with a bodybuilder's body and his same face. So he throws the potion away, and Dokoro takes it, and then he he sees the princess weeping, and he has this brief moment of indecision. He imagines the Dark Lord. He imagines the princess crying. And he makes a bunch of strangled noises. But in his brain, he kicks aside the image of the Dark Lord, decides to unlock the door, 
And so, yeah, you're you're trying to protect her as she moves along, and you will eventually be able to use this this handsomeness potion to turn into a brave and handsome prince and uh, kill things. Yeah, things in this game, whether it's you or the minions, tend to just fall apart in a clatter of bones and screaming. Uh, you can only really kill them if you're turned into a prince, or if you can, when you're Dokoro, the little skeleton, you can knock them around with a bone, which doesn't really hurt them, but you can, like, knock them into spikes or into falling traps or, you know, whatever. Right, the stuff you're trying to get the princess past, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But, and then, you know, it... it it has so much charm in it. It, it just, just this very simplistic but uh, endearing story developed by Game Arts, which is a studio that uh, is probably most famous for doing the Grandia series and Lunar. Uh, this was one of their oh. last original projects. There's an anecdote from the director who says that he got the idea. Uh, he he's previously had worked on Ninja Gaiden Sigma. And he got the idea that, he, like, after he had a kid, he went and looked at some children's books, and he was so taken in by them. It's like, I want to make games that are like this. And he created Dokoro, and nobody played it. Anyway. He wants to make, wait, so he has kids, wants mm-hmm. to make a game where a princess can fall in a, bot- a bottomless pit yes. or on spikes. Yes, and Perfect. get crushed. Yes. Yeah. yeah, sounds about right. Princess also has a hit point. If her crown falls off, she can take one more hit. Well, yeah. but if she puts on the right crown, <laughs> now you're and talking. Now, uh-huh. yeah, take all the hits. <laughs> she can become a slightly different princess. <laughs> it's so unique. It's, it's absolutely worth playing. And uh, we talked briefly before this about like maybe putting in a more well-known entry here. But I think if we can't use this show to sort of promote things we like that are obscure, then what's the point? That's true. If we yeah. can't use the show for propaganda, what is it good for? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's just the victory noise. And we can be bought. To yes, once absolutely. Again. We, can, yeah. we can 100% be bought. <laughs> I just like the, I can. There you go. See, Josh, too. <laughs> I like the character's design. He, he looks kind of like a... Um, like a Homestar Runner character or something to me, like his yeah. face. Like, it looks a little bit like the face of Bubs. <laughs> he's got, like, I don't know, like you said, he's mm-hmm. got this weird body, like this triangular body. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he like, uh, I was actually a little on the fence about whether he qualifies as a skeleton because he, he has a little skull face, but then his body is like a trapezoid with stick arms and legs. Yeah. And, uh, but he, he is called a skeleton in the, in the marketing for it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going with it. Yeah, he's a skeleton. Yeah. Yep. Now, is he a skeleton who can turn into a prince, or is he a prince who was turned into a skeleton? Hey, put the right crown on him, he'll be uh, Princess Peach. Mm, that's just, true. Just that's about true. to say, yeah. Anyone can be Princess Peach, as that fan art that destroyed the internet has, uh, <laughs> has ably shown us. <laughs> destroyed the internet, destroyed my mind, the things, <laughs> things I can't unsee at this point. <laughs> yeah, right. There's, there's actual like live-action Bowsette porn now. Games oh. Radar did a, did a thing on it, and how it's like the worst part is it doesn't respect the fandom. Mario doesn't sleep in a <laughs> race car shaped bed; he drives a go kart. What is this? <laughs> yes, that's the worst. I don't know why people part. are dogging on the bed? <laughs> that's not what the crown looks like. <laughs> but yes, actual porn with Bowser turning into a sexy lady who fucks Mario. Hooray! If you'd like to see a Patreon-exclusive commentary on, on the princess <laughs> porn, uh, go to patreon.com slash lasertime. I will never do that. Yeah, Some things not cannot happening. be bought. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, sorry. Uh, 
All right. Well, let's move on to something probably a little better known, but not by much. Number two. Didn't I used to have more skin on these bones? Man, you know I got the blues. Hmm. Bones, blues, what could this be? That's Mr. Bones to you. Yeah. This is Mr. Bones for Saturn. Have either of you ever played this, or do you remember at least seeing ads for it back in the day? I've just seen videos of it. I've never played it. I don't even remember the ads for it. It is since it, I'm the same. I remember seeing stuff for it, but I never played it. I think I've seen stuff after the fact because it's almost it's almost meme worthy at this point. Because isn't it like mm-hmm. a guitar playing skeleton? And- it is like this game is all over the fucking map. <laughs> Every level is completely different. It veers between like puzzle platforming to what looks like twin stick shooting, but I know isn't because the Saturn didn't have twin sticks. To rhythm games with no on screen prompts. So. One of the the things you're you're playing as Mr. Bones, who's raised by this guy named Degulian. In one single night, my army of darkness, of purity, will descend upon the earth. Then there will be no more conflict, no more struggle between good and evil. There will only be evil. The world will be pure. That's an interesting take on metal purity. Uh, but he, he uses magical drums to raise an army of, of skeletons who have red eyes because they're evil. But uh, one of the skeletons that he raised was so pure of heart that he had blue eyes instead and was a generally good skeleton. But then Degulia notices and turns uh, his army against Mr. Bones, and so Mr. Bones has to flee. But eventually... He stumbles onto a shack in the middle of the woods where an old Scotsman is playing the blues. And uh, he just becomes fascinated by it. I'm stiff as a wet sheet in a cold snap. You better face facts, Mr. Bones. They ain't gonna leave you alone. Some red-eyed devil's gonna make his bones tonight. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I should just let him. What's that sound? And maybe there's a hotel I could hole up in. Some gingerbread house bed breakfast skeleton hotel. He makes a lot of bone puns. Just, <laughs> you, it's something you get used to. What did you say? You had a bone to pick with this guy. Mm, I do have a bone to pick with this guy. So he gets a guitar and finds that he can use it to turn evil skeletons good if he gets up and plays a solo in front of them. Uh, it is very hard to make it sound this good. So like I said, rhythm minigame with no on-screen prompts. It's just uh, the different directions and buttons will play different sounds, and it's sort of up to you to figure out when and where to play them. Yeah, you just got to feel the music, baby. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? I think I read they're, they're like yeah. divided into riffs and licks, and you're supposed to play like riffs on the downbeats, and like I would be completely lost. I play guitar. That is not how that works. <laughs> you don't nope. play riffs on the downbeats. It's, riffs and licks are just interchangeable terms yes. for stuff. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but it's funny you you uh, you talk about that guitar scene. Um, so a lot of the cutscenes in this game were done by Angel Studios, which probably isn't familiar to most people. Mm-hmm. But what if I said Rockstar San Diego? Oh <laughs> wow! 
Yeah, this game also um, was developed by uh, E. Ettore Annunziata, or Ed Annunziata. He's the creator of Echo the Dolphin. You go from wow. Echo the Dolphin to Mr. Bones. <laughs> That's amazing. That's some sweet music there, <laughs> yeah. man. Um, but, uh, yeah, M- Mr. Bones, like, the, the platforming sequences are kind of interesting because... Uh, as you take damage, you can lose your body parts until you're just a skull hopping around on a spine. Uh, at one point, this happens at the very beginning of the level. You're just swarmed by a bunch of bats. Oh, there go all my bones. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, and, yeah, you just have to bounce around collecting pieces of yourself. And But it, it's a little co- more complicated than just becoming whole because, like, there are certain gates that you can only move through if like oh you have to be just a, a skeleton with a rib cage and your left arm and so like you have to make sure you've lost those parts and uh yeah it's what a weird game it's super weird there there is a level where you are uh drawn into another dimension and uh have to jump around on platforms while your character just monologues in the background about the significance of the blues let me guess let me guess the other dimension is called the bone zone should have been. I don't <laughs> no, think geez. it was. That's my bedroom. Man. No, but actually, the cover art for this game, uh, please do look it up, because it looks like something straight from the share zone. Like <laughs> It does. It's basically the share zone the game. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it makes me wonder, though, if they could have had the licensing, do you think they would have had like bone-related songs like Them Bones by Alice in Chains and... Uh, like I'm half, you know, when when you're taking damage, he starts playing like I'm half the man I used to be. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been awesome. <laughs> but instead, okay, remember what I said about the guitar playing and how you have to do it without on-screen button prompts? There is one of the last challenges you have to do in this game is uh, a cybernetic skeleton slowly advances on you while uh, an army of skeleton, like a huge audience of skeletons, watch. Mm. And your only defense against him is, guess what? Arnold Schwarzenegger has a T-800 cyberskeleton? Wrong. Stand-up comedy. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> and you have to use the same approach, just hitting buttons at random to figure out what they'll do, and then yeah. assembling the right sequence to create a joke. So here's an example of how that sounds. Elvis Parsley. Oh. And sings. What's green and sings? Elvis Parsley. <laughs> All the jokes are about that that caliber. Oh. Like, why did the turkey cross the road? To prove he wasn't chicken. Everyone knows if a joke's not funny the first time, you just repeat it until they laugh. That's, yeah. that's how yeah. comedy... Were that's, those little... that's Norm MacDonald's career. He's just been repeating <laughs> the same joke for yep. 30 years. Were those little servo sounds the skeleton coming yeah, toward he, you? It very slowly <laughs> advances toward you, and if you tell a successful joke, it'll retreat a few paces. Oh, you just got to feel comedy in your bones, yeah, baby. And you, you, just, you just have to tell jokes until you convert it to good, at which point it'll just start... It'll just double over and start slapping its knees. Oh, <laughs> Would you say it tickles your funny bones? Stop uh, me, someone, I please! Wouldn't, I wouldn't at all. Uh, anyway, yeah, Mr. Bones, very, very weird game. I'm actually sort of impressed by the amount of variety that was injected into this uh, in the Saturn era. Um, it just, yeah, every every level is a complete departure, almost, that 
very few of them are anything alike. And also, while he's defeating this bad guy, Dagulian, or trying to defeat him, uh, he's also trying to woo this, uh, this like banshee-looking ghost woman who lives in this alternate dimension and uh, takes his guitar away, but then can give it back to him at will when he really needs it. So Sounds like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you just call your wife a banshee. Nah, she's all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like games used to do this. So on a recent bonus time, uh, Brett was back on, and he was talking about the Toy Story game that he played at PAX. Oh, yeah, And how yeah, that yeah. game was like, it was like 10 different genres in one game. And I feel like games, especially licensed games, used to do that a lot. Mm-hmm. And they don't really, nowadays it's more just like pick a genre, stick yeah. with it. Uh, Brett also played Mr. Bones on a Laser Time stream, and I don't think he liked it quite as <laughs> what? much. What? Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to our... Which should surprise nobody. Buenos dias. You're not the nurse? No. You're not here to give me my medication? No, but I am here to ease your pain. Guess they couldn't save me, huh? No, but there's still a chance you could save me. Aw, what is this? Money Calavera hmm. from Green Fandango. <laughs> a little, little more mariachi than Mexican. Realism, I was going but... Dia de los Muertos. Come oh, on, I was. Yeah, it's right, a celebration. Right, right. Uh, it's Manny. It's Manny. Yeah, from Manny Calavera, <laughs> who uh, who inhabits the. I guess it's the the Mayan underworld. I'm I'm never really sure. It's like so. Is Dia de los Muertos? Is that like just a folk belief, or is that something that people genuinely believe? Because a lot of the people who believe it are Catholics, so it sort of seems to jibe against the idea of Catholic heaven. But uh, yes, yeah. you're right. It's um, well, if the movie Coco is to be believed, <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. just it's the remembrance where you go mm-hmm. and and yeah, pay tribute to the the dearly departed members of your family, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's some they're there with you. Like they, it's kind of. Like most things around Halloween, you know, spirits can kind of cross over into this mortal plane and mortal dimension for that one special night, and you can all kind of be together, and they can mm. be with you, literally be with you in spirit, is my understanding. I have no idea if it, how it actually works, because most Dia de los Muertos celebrations I've been to, like in California or LA, it's just, it's a party. You go and you have fun, and there's parades, mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah. Uh, Grim Fandango is one of the last great LucasArts adventure games, and... It well, it, its version of the Land of the Dead is like this great mid-century noir setting. Uh, I like the idea that like at one point Manny's just kind of like one of the only people in the office because he doesn't have any family to go visit for Dia de los Muertos. It's treated sort of like dead person Christmas, but he is a travel agent working off a debt, which means he dresses up like the Grim Reaper and escorts people the land of the dead and offers them travel packages i am ready to take you now take me take me where now now there's no need to be nervous nervous no just your appearance it's a little intimidating intimidating me but i'm your friend my name's manny calavera i'm your new travel agent i don't want a new travel agent i want to go home (laughs) you can't go home celso you're dead you're not alone. Everybody here is just as dead as you. That's why we call it the land of the dead. 
I like that that you can hear sort of a thumping in that scene. That's yeah. Celso very nervously just like uh, drumming his leg against the floor. He's got nerve- restless leg syndrome, and that stops when he says you're dead. <laughs> oh yeah, because you like, have no muscles to. Like, oh well, you know they can move. They're you know intact skeletons. I see. Yeah. Uh, Manny Calavera, by the way, Calavera is the Spanish word for skull. Yes. So we have another play on the skull. Mm-hmm. Also, I think I read once that it's like. Uh, it it all depends on context, like because there was a band called Los Calaveras, and it's like, well, that can't be right. It's Las Calaveras. It's the feminine because it's Calavera, but found out like, oh, Cala- Los Calaveras also means like you know rowdy guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's slang. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah. I believe it. it totally irrelevant <laughs> to this game. Also, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like this is a, a noir adventure. Uh, you know, Manny tries to scoop his his boss and the the employee of the month guy by uh, you know stealing their leads. Their their hot leads because he needs a saint to to really get him out of this hellhole he's in. This literal hellhole. And uh, so he finds uh, Mercedes, who's the woman you heard in that first clip, who has led a charitable life uh, characterized by difficulty that has won her this, you know, e-ticket basically to, to, to the next world. Of course, events conspire, things become more difficult, and they both end up taking this very long, uh, I think, four-year journey illustrating the beliefs associated with Dia de los Muertos, where you take this four-year journey to get to the, the next world, the underworld of the gods. And uh, and a lot of people get shot up with um, flowers along the way, which seems to be the only way to genuinely kill someone who's already dead. But you also get to meet the real heart and soul of the game. I'm talking, of course, about Glottis. Glottis, are you loco? What got into you? That was a company car. Oh, yeah. And it's even better company now. I'm in. Uh, Gladys is is a huge demon. He's basically a cross between a Big Daddy Roth character and a jazz trumpet. Uh, <laughs> his, his voice just kind of sounds like a jazz trumpet to me. You, you give him a company car and he uh, chops the roof off it and gives it thrusters to bypass all your competition to the world of the living, which, by the way, looks like a creepy cubist. Uh, yeah, the world of the living scenes are, are- weird like mm-hmm. whenever he goes there it's like he, yeah when i was just kind of like looking this up and, and remembering that i was like oh my god yeah it, it looks like it's someone faked pe- like scenes from the game and, yeah because they like it's like they cut out magazine pictures of reality and put, and yeah, put them all together it's, it's creepy you yeah. can see why dead people wouldn't want to go back there right, right yeah, yeah yeah a lot of jokes in this game about not having skin anymore not mm-hmm. having muscle yeah it's um uh, but one of the things that was really important about this game, and probably the thing I remember most about it, this was the first 3D LucasArts uh, adventure game. Was it? Yeah, and because um, it was all it was it was released right around that time, like '98, when mm. when people were making that transition. Um, and do you remember the name of the engine it used? It wasn't the Scum engine. Well, no, because it's 3D. You can't ah. use the Scum engine. Scum 3D. It's the Grime engine. Ah, <laughs> but it's. Uh, gr- well, Grime is like Grim, then capital E. So basically, ah. it's the Grim Fandango engine. Nice. Grim engine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nice. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. And I also, I love the writing in this game. Like, I, I found this just, just a random clip, like looking at a thing. It's like, yeah, they pack a lot of character exposition into these uh, brief lines here. This deck of cards is a little frayed around the edges. Then again, so am I. And I've got fewer suits. Ha! 
Aha! Nice. No, and the comedy still holds up. Um, this game was recently re-released for as a remastered version on PS4. Yep. Uh, recent, I guess, what three or four years ago now. But mm, it's it's very like that, yeah. very easy to get, very easy to play, and play that version because yeah, it, all the comedy holds up. It's a great, it's a really well written game. It's like Tim Schafer was sort of just like this is the game I think he really hit his stride on. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah, this is. I mean, Full Throttle's great. Don't get me wrong, but like this is the game where it's like okay, yes, now they're onto something. And then and then they went away shortly after that, and and he went and yeah, went and did his own thing with Double Fine. Bad. Maybe maybe someday we'll see. A- Full Throttle 2 come to life or Grim Fandango 2 but given what just happened to Telltale I think uh, adventure games are definitely on another downswing. Yeah, I think I think most adventure games now are going to be things like um, another former kind of LucasArts alum like like Thimbleweed Park. Like they'll be smaller hmm. more indie releases which was a uh, Gilbert, right? Ron Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, one. yeah. And what what was the one um, I'm blanking on it. I played all the way through it but it was released in two parts by Broken Age? Yes, Broken Age. That was a fun one. But again, I I wonder how successful it was. I mean, it's only on everything. Now, oddly enough, I know I've purchased Grim Fandango several times, and I mm. believe it was on PS Plus at one point. Mm. But it was one of those games I picked up and just got lost in the backlog. Oh. So, well, unbacklog of not playing this one yet. It's a perfect time of year. <laughs> I'll work on it's it. It's a perfect yeah. time of year to go back and play it. You know, it's it's October. Play your spooky games. Yeah. Woo! Lots of spooky, scary skeletons. Except it's not really that. They're spooky. not that scary. Yeah, no. they're they're kalakas, so they're they're kind of celebratory skeletons. Is that what they're called, kalakas? That's yeah. That's the the thing they're based on, are kalakas. Ah, okay. Which mm. I saw those all over the place in New Orleans, and I was kind of like, this isn't quite right. Well, that's the voodoo thing, isn't it? Like the the whole voodoo influence. I don't think those maybe, but they, they look, look similar like, to kalakas. They look like the sugar skulls with like the crosses they do. on the foreheads. They do. They're very yeah. similar. Uh, hmm. Well, one, I think that's because the the Haitian influence at, at that oh, point. That could be. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that's our list of skeletons. We hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, stick around anyway, because we're going to take a little <laughs> break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff. So stay tuned. Feel your fingers, feel your toes, grab your elbow, pinch your nose, touch your ankle, tap your knees, give your chin a little squeeze. You'll feel something hard inside, and it cannot be denied. What you feel seems hard as stone, and it's something called the ball. <laughs> oh, there are bones, 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 bones inside of you. Bones, 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 more than just a few. So many you can count them amazing, but it's true. There are bones, 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 bones inside of you. Let's get scratching. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show, 30, 20, 10. Here's a clip from 1988. We've got to get out of here with some music real fast. Um, music, and look what's number one, Sarah. Rejoice. Yeah. Uh, Red Red Wine by UB40 is numero uno. How long has it been since people thought about UB40? And then, like, within two weeks, within a week of them having their 30th anniversary of having their first number one hit, all of a sudden we got to think about a fucking Supreme Court justice nominee throwing ice at a guy he thinks is their lead singer and starting a bar fight. I really do hate that song. Besmirched. Uh, I really hate this song. But I I said said on another show, I don't hold a lot of gender stereotypes, but... 
I think this song is terrible, and I've never met a woman who doesn't like it. And I hear it constantly wherever I am. It's so I true. I hate this song. I don't know why I like it. It must have something to do with double X's. It's, uh, it's probably because it's got one of the worst raps ever in the middle. Oh, it's Red, bad. red wine, you make me feel so right. fine. My name is UB40, and I'm here to say I like red wine in a major way. They're British, okay? They're British. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on LazerTimePodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. And welcome back to our final segment where we will waste no time at all. I say no time, sir, jumping straight headlong into that part of the show known only as... I have no idea why I draw that out every time other than that it's vaguely funny. I thought it was a funny joke. You said, I'll waste no time, and then you repeated yourself. Yes, like, exactly. <laughs> no time. No I time, wasted no time, no time. No time. It's pretty much a staple at this point. Brevity is the name <laughs> of the game, sir. <laughs> Not the name of mine. Um, well, Cogblops 4, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, obviously, uh, we haven't played yet. No. Because it's not out no. as of this recording. And to be honest, knowing the you know Michael and I, we probably wouldn't play that much of a multiplayer only game anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it's I I as, I like Call as, of Duty campaigns. As I do. those of you who are continually trying to get me to play PUBG or Fortnite can attest, <laughs> I'm not really one for multiplayer. <laughs> Honestly, I think I would give this one a shot. I really? didn't care so much for Fortnite. I like the aesthetic of it, but uh, I think that. If it happened to fall in my lap, I would maybe enjoy it. Well, I think I've I always liked the zombie modes, and now I guess zombie mode is as close as we're getting to any sort of story. With yeah, this game. I mean to the point where the like the pre order bonuses or the the special edition bonuses like isn't one of them like a, a just a big replica of that chest that's like made out of a person? Oh. Yeah, I guess so. Zombie people become chests sometimes. The, the chestonomicron or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Or, a mim- or like a mimic. With- Maybe. In D&D know, yeah. parlance, which if you go to patreon.com slash laser time and support us, you can hear our D&D show. Parlance was my favorite uh, series of D&D related uh, novels. <laughs> <laughs> that was a horrible joke. Just awful. <laughs> I should be shot. Yeah. I was going to stretch and go for a parlance funk, like a P-funk joke, and mm. I, I, I held back <laughs> <You should. laughs> up until now. Admirable. Admirable. <laughs> Gotta let those things fly, man. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm just proud of myself for the amount of restraint we showed. Nary a boner joke in that entire segment last <laughs> <Yeah>? segment. <No. laughs> That's how you know Chris isn't here today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Although, think we're letting Dave down somewhere, too. Well, I think I had my fair share of puns. Uh, mm-hmm. So that Dave, somewhere Dave was like, he knew something was happening. He yeah. was like, he's like, somewhere, Matt's doing me proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> somewhere, wherever Dave is, I mm-hmm. like to think of it as the bone zone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Callback! Uh, WWE 2K19. Speaking of Dave, yeah, yeah WWE 2K19 came out earlier this week. Um, and, and is one of the reasons I asked Josh to be on the show. So, Josh, tell us what's going on with this version of the game. Uh, it's, I suspect if you've played previous versions, it plays in a very similar fashion. So, what's the new greatest latest thing? Well, for one, graphically, it looks awesome to me. They, I guess, implemented a new lighting system into the game that. Uh, when you're walking out, say you're a character such as, we'll say Sasha Banks, who has maybe some uh, sparkly type stuff on her, 
the way that the lights can hit her and reflect off of it is very impressive. So, graphically, it's sound. Uh, they've added some different aesthetics to different matches, like your Hell in a Cells, and uh, you can be like fighting as you're going up the walls. So, it, and it's just little things like that. There's a lot of little things hmm. that seems like they've changed that have made the overall product. I, I dare say, probably one of the better 2K games that have come out in a few years. But how's the hair look? I really want to know. We got Tress Effects mm. this time. Have, when, when someone has, like, the sopping wet hair before a match, does it look just as greasy as always? Well, if they're not getting that right, then someone needs to fire that. <laughs> <laughs> how does the, you know, with the light effects, how does the sweat look when it's dripping off of Triple H's nipple? That's the really important question I want to know. The what part of his nipple? The triple nipple. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but this one does bring back a couple things from the old game. This is the return of the showcase mode, uh, featuring Daniel Bryan this time around. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. yes. Uh, the last yeah. one, the last official one, I would say, was the Stone Cold mode back with 2K16. There was technically one with 17, but that was like DLC. Uh, so this is as close as these games really get to a true like a narrated story experience. Uh, they do have the My Career mode, and that does make a return and allegedly got an overhaul, but they say that every few years, and I never know what it means when it gets an overhaul. But that's like the true, you start at the bottom of the ranks and wrestle your way to the top to, to be a top-tier guy, mm. you know, where you too can eventually hold down young and aspiring talent. From what I understand, they were able to pull in uh, about 30 of the... Uh, performers to record lines, like pages worth of lines, so it's supposed to be pretty decent. Nice. Nice. Lines perhaps partially written by Dave Redden. Yeah, friend of the show, Dave Redden. Yeah. Who maybe will someday be on, who knows? We hope so. Yeah. So yeah, that game came out earlier this week, although I think if I feel like it was one of those things where if you bought the Super Deluxe, the Ric Flair, woo, Ric Flair version, uh, you might have been able to start playing it early. I don't know. That thing, hmm. there was a lot that came with that version. So the Daniel Bryan thing is reminding me of uh, an anecdote from a couple E3s ago. But okay. it just, that's, this is what I think of whenever I think of Dan Bryan now, because uh, as is more or less widely known, I work for Ubisoft. Uh, and a couple of E3s ago, our booth was directly across from the 2K booth. Mm-hmm. And they had these huge wall-sized graphics of wrestlers from 2K19. Or I remember from that year. WWE. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was there at the very end of the show when they're shutting down. All the attendees are, are out. Nobody but exhibitors is hanging around. I was uh, hanging around the Ubisoft booth with a few people and watching as uh, workers started taking down the 2K booth. And I just remember this guy... Uh, putting a ladder next to this giant portrait of, of Dan Bryan with like his fingers in the air, climbing up to it and just like dragging a box cutter across the, the portrait to cut off his head. Oh my God. And peel it away. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is fucked up. No, 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 no. I don't know why. I know I'm just seeing a man cut down a, a poster, but this, it, why there? <laughs> Wow, that's almost an omen when you think about it. He's yeah. him at the neck. Yeah. Uh. That man was Enzo Amore. <laughs> no, it was not. Was that, was that the year where Rob Scharnberger was doing the mural like live throughout the show floor where he was painting? So they always had, they, they usually have the life-size pictures of guys, and I think I remember the year you're talking about. It would have been either probably 16 or 17. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so it's, one of those is the year they had like their kind of artist that does a lot of the official like 
he does really good like paintings uh, of the wrestlers, and he was doing one live on the show floor, and I just felt terrible for him because he's it's like a guy on a ladder on the E3 show floor, and he, it wasn't, like, he, technically, yeah, I think he was sort of roped off so no one could come knock him over, but he wasn't, like, up on a stage or anything. He was just, like, in that aisle between the two booths, and I'm, like, hmm. like I, I'm a fan of his work, so I was, like, hey, dude, I love your paintings, and I was, like, this must suck. Like, you're just painting a mural <laughs> all during E3. <laughs> hey, I mean, hmm. I'm sure he collected a paycheck. It's fine. That's so. true. It's like, well, I'm being paid, and pro- he probably had some time to go wander around the show floor if he wanted. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'm sure fans are happy to have those modes back because then it does feel like more of a complete experience. And with a lot of the graphical, like we said, with the triple nipple light effects and um, uh, and the sound mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, it sounds like the, the best version ever of the WWE 2K formula. Until next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how these games are supposed to work. Sure. Man. Speaking of That's best true. versions ever, a new version of Luigi's Mansion is coming to 3DS. Uh, and this is the Luigi's Mansion... All the way back, God, this makes me feel so old, from 2001, 17 yeah. years ago on GameCube was Which Luigi's Mansion. visually still holds up kind of well. That game, yeah, I mean, the, that's kind of the cool thing about Nintendo games is they do tend to age fairly well because mm-hmm. they're not pushing like the latest and greatest yeah. photorealistic graphics. You know? And interesting point for this, I, I think this was, like, the GameCube was originally envisioned, uh, purported, supposedly, as a 3D console that would work with TVs, kind of the same way that the 3DS does. They couldn't get it to work, but Luigi's Mansion, with that, like, top-down view into rooms, it was supposed to be that, like, oh, it's like looking down into a 3D room. Uh, you can see everything. That and, explains uh, a lot about that, yeah. that game. So this is kind of, you could kind of see this as uh, the original vision being realized. Hmm. If, if you're not playing it on 2DS like a kid. It's no Pops Ghostly, let's be honest. Mm, but what it's is, a very really? good name. <laughs> Admittedly, I was really surprised that it's coming to 3DS and not going to the Switch. I mean, is it just because there could be more 3DSs out there? I mean, There's I a like ton more a... 3DSs out there. Yes. Okay. Yes. And it's it could be upgrading something from GameCube, GameCube to 3DS mm-hmm. is maybe a little less work than going all the way to the fidelity of the Switch. Yeah. Could be they don't want to have a lot of market confusion. There is a new Luigi's Mansion game coming uh, next year with that they announced. And so, or maybe, maybe Josh, it will eventually. And this is just this, the first step there. You yeah. Know? So, um, but speaking of games that, that are getting their ultimate best version, uh, the quirky DS game, The World Ends With You, is getting the final remix version coming uh, to Switch this week. Twewy FM. Yeah. So talk about a game that uh, that was designed very specifically for a certain system. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who remember The World Ends With You, it, it's a game that takes place in Shibuya, in Japan, um, and is all yep. about like kind of Japanese youth culture, but it, it utilized both screens of the DS for combat. Like mm-hmm. There was stuff happening at the same time on both screens, so I'm really anxious to see how that translates to the Switch, which only has the one screen in handheld yeah. mode. Maybe it'll be compatible with the flip grip. You can play it <laughs> vertically. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, you can dream. No, but that was, that was a game... Uh, it, you know, everyone who has played it has fond memories. They love it. The soundtrack is like second to none. Um, it, it's just, yeah, I don't think a ton of people got to play it in its original form. It's since been released in a variety of places. I think there's a mobile version. Uh, it did get updated before. But, um, yeah, if you want to play something unique and cool uh, on your Switch, uh, go check that out because that's out this week. And who doesn't really? That's right. That's right. Um, so speaking of unique and cool... Um, Michael and I got codes for a game called Old School Musical, 
uh, that came out a few weeks oh, ago. Yeah, yeah. And we played a little bit of that. Um, and the reason I bring it up is what, what I think is cool about it is it's a it's at its heart it's a rhythm game where it's just you know input a series of button prompts and and stuff but it's it's called old school musical because like they're not just inspired by old school games like it's like straight up ripping almost looks like it's ripping assets from old school games as the background so the the game like while you're playing through the levels the gameplay is just a rhythm game but there's levels that are like the Mega Man level or like the Zelda Ooh. level hmm. or or like the Outrun level, you know, as you, as you progress through it. And so it's kind of like this really cool overview of it's a love letter to classic games and classic gaming. Um, but I will say the the core gameplay mechanic itself of being a rhythm game. Yeah, I mean, it's it only goes so far, you know, and Michael, you pointed out, I think one of the problems with a game like this is. When there's so much going on in the yeah. background, yeah. The so and I, I've only played the, the early stages of the game, which are about these two rectangular brothers who have been tortuously uh, trained by their mother every day for like the past twenty years. Their mother being a huge brick with a uh, with lipstick and a little <laughs> uh, like little panties that just never opens the door, just smashes straight through the wall, and her, her sons have to she's fix like it. Like a twisted Kool Aid man, basically. Kinda, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but yeah, she's, she's relentlessly training her sons. And so part of the problem that I had is that, yeah, like it puts the, the rhythm part, like with all the buttons cascading, they they cascade toward a circle in the center or toward like these two bars at the top of the screen. And meanwhile, the action's happening off to the side. So you can either pay attention to the rhythm part or you can pay attention to the on-screen action that's supposed to be entertaining you through the rhythm part. And that's that's kind of always a difficulty of games like this. I feel like the only time that I really saw something overcome it was maybe God of War 3, which had the quick time events that instead of showing button prompts, it just lit up an edge of the screen and that let you know which of the four buttons to press. But uh, like if, if it's the top screen lighting up, it's like, oh, triangle. And that way you can just rely on your peripheral vision and, and keep focused on the action. Which which was ripped from Dragon's Lair back in the day. It used to do that. It was just Did a it? corner of the screen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Or maybe it was Dragon's, Dragon's Lair 2 definitely did. Mm. I remember that in arcades. It was just like lighting up certain corners were, were uh, mapped to certain buttons. Uh, but no, that game... It's great. It's a great love letter to retro and classic games. It's one of those where you might you might want to watch someone else playing it because, like we said, like if you're super focused on getting through the rhythm sections, um, which I will say it's generous there, and it doesn't actually. There's no reward for doing like you know 100%ing it or anything like that. So I think they know like mm. you can miss a few here and there to check yeah. out what's going on in the background. Uh, but it really is when it starts to get into the later levels and you start to see the Mega Man levels and you see the car racing levels, you're like, oh my god, this is awesome. Like, they're they're really just going through, cl- like, the entire classic game kind of catalog. Um, oh, right. So it's, it's kind of fun. Um, uh, Josh, you played, and I think you reviewed a game uh, called Valtherian Arc Hero School Story. Yeah, I that game just came out about, well, two weeks ago now. I It's, I believe, for every console it, the game is actually very interesting because I went into it with a visual. I'd never heard of it visually. It's, it's very colorful, bright, and the, pretty much the premise of the game is there's a this academy that you went to that you excelled in. It's like 20 years later, and this academy uh, trains new heroes, and so the academy needs a new headmaster, and you are a faceless character that comes into this role and it kind of combines multiple types of games like you have your like base building like you can build up your school by 
getting money because you send your your students out to do dangerous missions. But, so you have a little bit of the base building thing, and then when you do these missions, it's really cool because you control your students and you can level them up to be specific like classes, like you have your, your fighters, your magic users, and... That was probably my favorite part of the game, was <laughs> doing these missions, because you would go out, and it was almost like like Super Nintendo Legend of Zelda-type action. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it was a game that, at first, the first two hours, I was, like, falling asleep, and then once they got to a certain point, it was like crack. Oh, nice. Hmm. Yeah, they, the characters themselves, they're these, like, little chibi Japanese characters. It looks like a lot like um, like Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles or something like that, like, kind of Absolutely. that style. Uh, and then, yeah, I, what was intriguing to me was that combo you talked about of, like, the base building and kind of that the, the academy management uh, aspect with these kind of uh, you're sending out the students as these hero characters, you know, on missions that are ultimately it's feeding into that loop of you're getting resources and other cool stuff so that you can continue to build out the school. Right. Yeah. And once you do get the swing of it and what how to have your students, like, disperse them out into the right places and... Uh, it just becomes. I, I, I seriously sat down and played this game for like nine hours straight. It was. That, it's that good. And what, well, just quick warning, folks. It's an anime game, so your mileage may vary. Mm. But <laughs> that's true. But because everyone knows my allergy to anime games, you know, I'm not going to talk about a game like this. So I thought it'd be worth br- for Josh to bring that up and, and your mileage, if you will. <laughs> oh no! I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> I like you a little bit more now, actually. <laughs> Aww. Oh, shall we move on to news? News. So remembering Scott's reaction last week. <laughs> Dude. Such an I unpleasant cacophony. No, he called it. A, I think he called it a hell hellscape, <laughs> which is appropriate for our spooky Halloween show. Oral hellscape. Honestly, I get it though because he, listening to the episodes normally doesn't bother me, but hearing it now, it's just it's so cringeworthy. <laughs> it's the worst. I like it. Me too. <laughs> um. So in uh, news that just won't. Die, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. uh, the Skeletons. Walking Walking Dead final season uh-huh. is resurrected. I guess, yeah, sort of. Uh, uh, Skybound has uh, volunteered to yeah. take it on. Skybound, which is co-founded by Walking Dead creator Robert Kirkman. Um, so this one is a weird story because um, there's not a lot of details, and we don't know how this is going to happen. And, and as Scott mentioned on last week's episode. A lot of the folks that were working on that game, they are scrambling to find jobs, you know, and some of them already have. I think you mentioned, like, the creative director might have already landed mm-hmm. a new gig. So um, there, we don't have any details of actually how this is going to come about, what the structure of the deal is. Like, are they licensing just all the characters and names? Are they actually licensing the engine to be able to keep producing these games? So we, we know very little other than the fact that um, Skybound is is offering to save the game and get those final two episodes out there for people. Uh, And I do have a quote here. Uh, The quote is from uh, President Dan Murray. It says, Whenever something like this comes up, our intention is to try and do the right thing, not just by the brand, but by the fans. This was our chance to do both. It's also our intention to make sure to do right by the people who are working with 
This is a business that, that is made by people. And when things like this happen, there's a human cost. We're trying to do what we can to work with the original staff and provide a soft landing. So I, th- I think that's that's really nice to hear like someone's actually mentioning the people making the games and the mm. human cost when things like this happen. So it sounds like, if nothing else, they're going to be giving these folks a little bit of runway. And my guess would be they'll bring folks on on a contract basis. Because yeah. Skybound, is, I think they just do mobile games or they've done, just done mobile games. Hmm. So I don't know that it's, it's not like they're going to combine the two teams or anything like that. My guess will be they just hire all those folks okay you're just going to finish out your contract finish out the game yeah uh, hopefully i mean yeah. it's it 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 is better than nothing being in that situation to like have quote unquote seasonal seasonal employment to, to know that it's like okay well i'm getting a little bit more warning this right, time i can right. find something else. well yeah as you search for a job it's mm-hmm. nice to, to have a paycheck um yeah. and for those who might be a little bit worried well hey this all that money's just going to go to telltale and it, you know we really want it to go to those employees uh murray had this to say this has nothing to do with Telltale Games and everything to do with the people involved with making the Walking Dead game and trying to take care of them in the meantime the best way we can. Uh, that's the process we're in. Save the game for the fans and provide at least a runway to the team as we finish off the game. This has everything to do with the people who are making the game and the fans. Uh, he's also quoted as saying, there's not a huge upside for the corporate entity of Telltale Games. So it, it, Ooh, it, it just... Oh, ouch. My guess would be Telltale is obviously hurting for money. And so they cut this deal, taking whatever money they could get, and they're going to continue to use that to pay off creditors or whatever. And then Skybound, they probably they probably got the rights to do this for, for kind of a steal. Hmm. Uh, and then most of the cost then will be on them paying contracts of these people that were working on the game to finish it. So if I had to bet, my guess would be it's going to be a very uh, redu- team that's reduced in size because a lot of people have moved on or, or won't be able to come back. Um and, you know, they'll just finish the game however they can. I doubt it's, you know, it's not going to maintain the schedule they were already on. It'll, it'll be coming much later is, is again, my guess with how this will Probably. ultimately shape up. I don't, I don't want to speculate too much because yeah. I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes there. Yeah. yeah. I would say, though, as a fan of the series, it's, it's nice to see that the team, hope, well, hopefully, that they get to finish this adventure they started six years ago. Mm-hmm. That And yeah. it's, it's the finish... For them, and then also for the fans. Like, we would love to see the ending for Clementine, and to they considering they know how they want it to end, even if it's not going to be 100% what they wanted to do with the, the budget they probably had, at least it's something, and, you know, that makes me happy. Yeah. Spoilers. She is the Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the easy thing they could have done is, like, this could have just been one of those, like, Firefly things where it's like, oh, you're going to get a comic later on, and that'll wrap... If they really want to just wrap up the story. Not that that's bad. Like, the Firefly comics are excellent. So the fact that we're actually getting a game in some form, Mm -hmm. that's good. That's cool. It's it's nice. So speaking of things that are nice that people have been asking for, uh, PS4 players get to finally change their usernames. Is it weird that I didn't know you couldn't already do that? Uh... Not too weird. I know that uh, there's some people that are, like, very... They complain about it a lot. I know on Giant Bomb they talk about it a lot, mm-hmm. how it's, like, this big deal. But for me, yeah, I don't care. Um, I, I, I don't really care about what my username is. You know, I don't play with people online a lot anyway. I mean, I've thought about it sometimes just because I think there are one or more people who have usernames that are very similar to mine because every so often I'll just get, like, somebody saying, like, you and your fucking trash friends just quit the game. What the fuck? It's like... 
I'm at work. What the <laughs> hell are you talking about? Or, or like some guy accused me of stealing his little brother's screen name. Or for a while, people kept messaging me, like saying, "Oh, hey, I hear you can hook me up with Prestige Level 50 in Call of Duty." And like, who are you? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh man. So yeah. All I ever get is emails that someone's trying to hack my Fortnite account. No oh, man. <laughs> Apparently, no one cares for me because I've, I've never had the issue. Oh. Use that double-factor oh, okay. authentication, folks. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's there right. for. Yep, um, yep. So here's how the details of this work. So this program is going into beta for PlayStation preview testers. Uh, they will be able to change their PSN ID as many times as they'd like. The first time's free. you got to get that free taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be honest, it's been so long they owed it to people. Uh, after that, it's going to cost $10 or $5 if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber. So you get a little bit of savings there. Testers can revert back to your old PSN name at any time for free, but you can only do it once. And then Sony did warn, so this isn't going to be a clean kind of thing. Some older games will have problems with the new usernames. They don't they don't give any details of what that means. Uh, but it says users may occasionally encounter issues or errors in certain games as a result of the name change. I don't think it's going to break the games or anything like that, but it, you might see some weird things, mm-hmm. you know people's usernames uh so relax you lose uh, tri- all your trophies no not really yeah so fear not triple x smokes all day 420 lulz 69 triple x you can now change your name to something classier and more civilized like smokes throughout the day for 120 hmm, yes rather carry on cheerio hmm. <laughs> there was no 69 in there come on i like hmm. i said classy i'm classing yeah. it up <laughs> uh, classing it up in more Sony news, uh, Sony confirms there will be a PS4 successor, mm. and that's in the works. Sweet Jesus. Yeah. Did no you know kidding. the sun's going to rise tomorrow? <laughs> hey, guys. Doesn't I might not be as far in the industry as you, <laughs> but I just want to tell you right now, Microsoft is probably working on a new Xbox. <laughs> what? I, hold, hold your gas. Uh-huh, I know. Uh-huh. Well, okay, fine, guys. I get it. It's yeah. the most obvious thing ever. Actually, I think they announced that they're working on several new Xboxes, didn't they? They did. They, well, they, they, they're yeah. iterating, and yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they said already, yes, we are looking at several options for next gen. But uh, Sony CEO Kinichiro Yoshida in the Financial Times says, At this point, what I can say is it's necessary to have a next generation hardware. Um, he didn't give any other details. So I think the, the story there, though, is there's been a lot of speculation that the next gen hardware could be streaming tech it could just mm. be a streaming solution mm. and, and sony does have playstation now so so him him specifically saying we have the need and it's necessary for there to be new hardware is, yeah. is sort of him acknowledging streaming isn't it i yeah i do feel like streaming uh we're, we're a ways off from where we have the internet infrastructure that would support uh, millions of people streaming uh stuff at once I, I think yeah, there's a we're, ton we're of challenges. There, it's, but it's we're getting there, and actually, from what I've heard, uh, which you might know a little something about, Michael, with this new Assassin's Creed, hmm. uh, the Google Stream partnership, um, that supposedly works really well. But hmm. from what I've experienced, I, I was in the beta for the uh, GE Force Now, where they did it was so weird. They did like a beta on Mac first, and then they were opening it up to PC. Huh. But but uh, all of these services are essentially the same. Where and Microsoft just announced their uh, version, by the way, that called Project X Cloud, um, where you know you you need a very all you need really is sort of a lower end machine uh, because it's just streaming uh, the game, and so really that machine is just kind of like showing video of a game that's actually being run on powerful computers up there in the clouds, if you if you will. But I think there's Michael said there's a lot of challenges, and I agree with you. For example, like. 
broadband penetration in the U.S. and other places isn't 100%. I think we assume it is a lot of the time because we're in kind of bigger urban areas. But there are people that are still on dial-up out there that could not do this. Because I think the um, one of these solutions, I think it's the Google thing, it requires a 25 megabit per second connection mm-hmm. is their recommended. Which is, it's it's nothing to sneeze at, certainly. The other thing is just like, yeah, infrastructure-wise, telecoms haven't really upgraded us like not everyone's on fiber you know what i'm saying like a lot of people are on these old copper lines and then a lot of you know the telecoms and and isps they have like bandwidth caps where it's like you can only stream or download so much a month before they cap you and then they either throttle your connection or charge you more and with games now like dude day one patches for games now are like 50 gig plus like I, i went to download forza horizon 4 and that's like 56 gigs and then I did an update today was was a couple hundred megs. That starts to eat into those bandwidth caps mm-hmm. where streaming is going to eat up a ton of bandwidth. Not to not to get too political, but there's also that whole net neutrality thing where people can can prioritize certain connections over others. That's right? true. Uh, so yeah, I think there's there's a ton of like logistical barriers to streaming. I think everyone does acknowledge it is most likely some future. I don't know if it will. There there might always be a place for dedicated hardware. But um, it's certainly not going to be, like, the only solution for next gen. And and Sony CEO tends to agree with me. So there, haters. Ha-ha! But, yeah, it's so everyone's sort of figuring out. So Google, they're getting into the streaming game. Microsoft announced their thing. Sony already has their thing. But it's kind of exciting that Sony is announcing a new platform. Microsoft, so we talked about Microsoft has the xCloud solution. There are more Microsoft rumors out there. Microsoft, as reported by Kotaku, uh, is rumored to be buying Obsidian. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Obsidian, for those who don't know, that's developer of Knights of the Old Republic 2 and Fallout New Vegas. Uh, They're dev based in Irvine, California. Uh, More recently, they're known for Pillars of Eternity series. Mm -hmm. Um, They currently have a game in the works with 2K that... 2K didn't really have much to say with this, which is like, hey, we don't really comment on these things. But yeah, best of luck to them. We don't know what's going on, you know. But yeah, Microsoft, they're, they've kind of been on a purchasing spree this year. Yeah, buying some pretty good studios. Yeah, they're, they're nothing like gigantic like their um, Mojang, as, as mm. we now know it's called from a lot of yeah. E3 presentations. <laughs> um, they bought Playground Games, which is the Forza Horizon folks. They bought Undead Labs, the State of Decay people. They bought Compulsion, the We Happy Few studio. And then they bought the Ninja Theory. The Hellblade developer. Oh, yeah, and, that's and, probably the biggest. Yeah, the DM, for, for DMC me. as well, right? Yeah, DMC, uh, Heavenly Sword. Remember when that was a big PS3 exclusive? Yeah. Enslaved. Yes, uh, yeah. yeah. But, um, so yeah, you know, Obsidian kind of does fit in with those molds where they're like a really well-regarded studio, but not necessarily a gigantic studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have a PC focus, which Microsoft... That makes sense for their, their what appears to be their strategy lately when they talk about all the cross-play and, and you know, pushing games for Windows and, and I don't even, it isn't even called games for whatever they call it now, the Windows yeah, I gaming. Think games or, for Windows died out in like 2009 yeah. or something. But whatever they call the Windows gaming store uh, or whatever. It's, it, it's just the Microsoft store. It's, yeah, think. yeah, but it's not like Steam, basically. Yeah, it's like yeah. you have to buy those games on their store. And or you can play them on Xbox and you can play them anywhere. Yeah, and, but the play anywhere games that that is a really cool feature. That yeah. it's like oh, I can play this on my Forza on my Xbox One, or I can download it on my PC and play a slightly better looking version. 
so this is one of those I think this makes perfect sense it feels very realistic like yeah this feels like more than a rumor like this will probably happen and if it does great because it's always nice to see studios have a little bit of security with people like Microsoft which have mm -hmm. cash in the bank absolutely have you, guys, have you guys played any of uh, Obsidian's recent things, like the Pillars games? Uh, well, the pi first Pillars of Eternity, yes. And uh, it played a lot like... It made me think of like the old Baldur's Gate games, yeah. the way that it's structured. And uh, I decided, after several hours of playing it, it's like, I don't think I'm playing this right, because no matter who's in my party, my... Like, I, I always handle this like I'm playing Warcraft 2. I just select everybody and click attack on an enemy, <laughs> on a single enemy. Like, there's no strategy whatsoever to my play style. Like, I just, yeah, warriors, wizards, I don't care. Just do what it, spam whatever attack you have to that one guy. I'm not going to hang back with my magic users and lob things or archers or anything. It's just, no, everyone get as close as possible and use your most powerful attacks. Fireball, yeah, let's spread it around to everybody. You just want that one brunt to be dead in like a millisecond. Uh -huh. That is a strategy. And it, and it just made me think like, I might not have the correct temperament to enjoy this <laughs> style of game. <laughs> could be. Could be. Those are, yeah, those yeah. are tough games to get into, but like... Maybe I should just make a party of all fighters because that's kind of how I play. It's just like, no, my, my style of gaming is just get in as close as possible, start punching. I I, you know, I, I cut my teeth on Double Dragon. What do you expect? Yes. You definitely don't have the temperament for those games <laughs> if that's how you want to play them. All right. So here's a game you can just go in and brawl your way through. Not really. Uh, you, can, you can kill things. Um, we talked about there was three new games coming to Nintendo Switch Online service last week. Um, but actually, there was a fourth surprise game that came out as well. Oh. It's a kind of an easy mode version of Legend of Zelda came to Switch Online. Um, and what's funny, though, is Nintendo kind of in the store, they call it, it's living in the life of luxury version. <laughs> so it basically it's 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 the easy version. It gives you 255 rupees, nine keys, eight bombs and pretty Jesus. much pretty much almost all of the items that you would collect in the game. Um, Damn, that's almost enough to just go straight to Death Mountain. That's the thing is yeah. it's, it's almost enough to not play the game. Like, uh -huh. I know some people really liked in recent Zelda games how you could buy anything and you didn't need to beat the dungeon that rewarded you bombs or beat mm -hmm. the dungeon that got you the bow for me that's bullshit like that's the whole point of playing yeah. zelda games yeah, 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 yeah. is you go there and you figure out where you're gonna go first and you know it's like here play mega man you can jump straight to dr wily if you want <laughs> yeah what they don't mention in there is that you also start with like seven hearts yeah yeah, yeah so I actually before we started recording i loaded it up to check it out and yeah like you start off right in the beginning of the game you have everything equipped and like, well, what's the point of having all the rupees if you already have all of the items from the shops? Like, you have the the, the bigger shield mm -hmm. and everything. Like, you don't essentially need rupees. Yeah, the only thing I could think of is for potions. Yeah, well, what if a like like eats your shield? Uh, true. Yeah. That, was the, that was the worst. That oh, was so frustrating. <laughs> Them and the wall masters. Mm, yes. Oh, God. Yeah. It is like-likes, right? The big the jelly mold thing. I knew, I knew who you were talking about. Yeah. I think they were like-likes. Yeah, the yeah. ones who would eat your shield. They would mm -hmm. swallow you up and then spit you out, and you'd have this small shield again. Yeah. And that God. totally sucked. <clears throat> yes. That was cheap. That was, like, one of the first, like, cheap things in games, I remember. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you want to play Legend of Zelda on easy mode, it's there for you. Fine. Whatever. 
Hmm. Um, on the other hand, like I might actually finish the game <laughs> if I had that available. Oh, have you never? You, come on, you had to. Have no, finished I've never the finished the first really? Zelda. The first Zelda and the first Super Mario Brothers, I have never finished. Wow. All the sequels, yes, but never the first ones. Well, Mario, because you can skip ahead, you can get through that thing very quickly. Mm. So just go do that. But then with Zelda, now this lets you skip ahead. So yeah. there you go. This is for people like you, Michael. People I who aren't so. true gamers. <laughs> I just remember sitting on the bus talking to a neighbor's little brother once. Like, have you ever beaten Super Mario without warp zones? <laughs> it takes many hours. <laughs> Did they talk just like that? Yes. <laughs> I think that conversation would take many hours. <laughs> well, because you're not hardcore enough to play Zelda, here's a game you can play, Michael, and a game that will take many mm-hmm. hours. Okay. If you haven't played it by now, Stardew Valley is coming to iOS on October 24th. You can go pre-order it now. Mm -hmm. If you haven't played this game, we are not friends, and (laughs) I refuse to talk to you, uh, but you no longer have an excuse. Go play Stardew Valley. It is is amazing, and now that it's on iOS, you have literally no excuse. It is one of the most addictive games I have ever played. Yes. Uh, It's, yeah, which it shouldn't be. It's it's a farming simulator crossed with a fishing game, crossed with a dungeon crawler across <laughs> yeah, with a yeah. bunch of other stuff that is all super super fun and super satisfying to play it is like the game equivalent of having infinite sheets of endlessly varied bubble wrap that you can pop uh and to the point where i think i've made the point before like the sound when you pull out a mature vegetable Best is like this great that's the bubble wrap yeah thing, that's the bubble sure. wrap popping yeah and it's also fairly cheap. It's only eight bucks. Oh, oh on iOS, yeah. I mean, because yeah. on on yeah. console, it's only fifteen. Like, I can already hear the mobile gamers screaming like eight bucks <laughs> <laughs> on my thousand dollar phone. What am I, all the Rockefellers? <laughs> <laughs> How is this not free? I should yes. make fun. <laughs> it's very true. Um, so yeah, no excuse. Go play Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. For Although. News. If you do want a free game, uh, I should say Assassin's Creed Rebellion has been confirmed as coming up November 21st on iOS and Android. And it's a uh, turn-based squad game where you build up a base in the 15th century in Spain at the height of the Inquisition. You can recruit characters like Aguila and Ezio and then a bunch of new characters that have been created just for the game. Uh, you can see playthroughs on YouTube. It's been available for testing in certain markets for maybe around a year now. Um, it has a very cute art style, uh, sort of chibi, but, um, yeah, that's one to look forward to. And if you want to pre-register and get some exclusive rewards for when you start playing, you can do that by going to assassinscreedrebellion.com. Hmm. I see. Chibi mixed with the Spanish Inquisition. Mm Mm-hmm. Nobody expects chibi Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> nope. Uh, by the way, I have to throw obligatory shill for Michael plugging AC stuff. So that's it for the news. All right. Well, moving on to our community segment, which is always is segmenting our community. Uh, <laughs> last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what's your favorite narrative game? Telltale style or visual novel both apply. Or even an FMV game. Who knows? Uh, Josh, uh, you're new to the show. Do you have an answer to this? Oh, easy, easy answer. That's definitely going to be uh, Life is Strange. Yay. Uh, yay. Good answer. I... 
sat on that game for probably a couple of years. I had a lot of friends that told me that I would love the game, but I just never got around to it. And when I finally had a chunk of time that I decided I could sit down, my wife and I uh, sat down and played it. She just watched it and we, oh my God, the, the story, the music, the atmosphere, it just, it cut deep and spoilers at the end, I chose Bay. Mm. Yes, you, you you commented on Facebook and we had a little exchange. Which bay? Which spelling? Oh, I don't want to reveal oh, that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. I chose bay. Nice, nice. Yes, the choice well, is it's bay that, or bay. That choice does affect Life is Strange, too. Ah, yes, that's oh. what I make you choose. More um, like it's my so-called Life is Strange, right? Yes. Well, yeah. that was my choice last week, and mm-hmm. that is a great choice, Josh. I will say, I will commend all of our listeners, you had amazing answers to mm-hmm. last week's question of the week. I'm actually changing my vote to Pops Ghostly, which I feel is more, <laughs> more on brand for the episode. But yes, uh, among the responses uh, was Hannah Barbarian, first to respond on VigiGameApocalypse.com, who said, My favorite Telltale-style game is Life is Strange. As a queer person, it's hard to express how important that game is to me. While I appreciate... Games like Mass Effect, for providing diverse romance options, they've never felt like fully developed relationships. Max and Chloe's relationship does. Then the game literally gives you the power to bend reality and avoid the bury your gaze trope. No other gaming moment can compare to that. Gameplay-wise, it also felt like a big step forward for the genre. Talking to a character, learning more about them, then rewinding time to use that information never got old. It turned those interactions into mini-puzzles and encouraged the player to learn more about the game's characters. In turn, learning about those characters made for a better narrative experience. Despite a few glaring issues, it's one of my favorite games ever. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great way of... I was trying to say that last week with my answer, but Life is Strange, unlike most games, it does actually let you get to know the characters and and reveals a lot about them. And I think it's, it's that connection to the characters that mm-hmm. ultimately makes it a stronger game even if the narrative itself like i said last week like it's it's good but it's it's not like you know this excellent narrative or whatever it's it's not about that to me though it's a, it's about the relationship that the characters build with each other that you also build with the characters um, and kind of the the look into their life you know and i think that's what makes it such a great game mm. Bullshit. I thought it was hella awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I it was one of the first games that i've played that there wasn't a single character, whether they were major or minor, that I was not interested in. Every single one had an interesting story. It's hmm. true. It's true. Yeah, and you could you could find out a lot about that if you would if you would creepily go read their emails on their computers in their dorm room. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes right in yep. front of them. <laughs> it was... Reverse time! Reverse time now! <laughs> yes. I don't feel like the game truly comes into its own until you finally get far enough to unlock the scoped Dragunov and the, the rocket launcher, which lets you <laughs> rocket jump into previously unknown areas. And I might be thinking of Dear Esther instead. You might be thinking of Dear <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Laser Time Rule says, The Ace Attorney games, hands down! Objection! Uh, I'm a fan of mysteries, and Ace Attorney has always created intriguing, if sometimes absurd, murder mysteries to solve. The main narrative of Phoenix and his journey as an attorney has been great to witness. You see his growth from a rookie to an... Ace Attorney! Through, Ah. Through the span of the series, eagerly awaiting the newest entry. 
And yet he always seems just on the border of incompetence. <laughs> a lot of sweating, too. He's always uh-huh. sweating in that corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Devil Does Dave says, Oh, this is a difficult one as big fan of those types of games, but I would have to go with the Stanley Parable. Mm. I am a sucker for meta narratives and TSP. Went the whole hog with that. I know that it can be frustrating for some people how little interactivity there is and how bland everything looks, but I would say that the game plays with everything successfully. There are a lot of clever moments in it, and though it doesn't have much clear conflict on the only real, quote, character is the narrator. He still has one sexy voice, oh, thank like you. Lando Calrissian. Thank you, Stanley. And you can't help getting attached to him and his snide comments as you play through the game again and again. The variety and number of endings are great, and there are a lot of hidden endings and secrets in there. As someone interested in stories and philosophy, there are also a lot of deep thoughts and speculations on the nature of stories what purpose they have, and why we seek to play games. Stanley, you're breaking our heart. <laughs> Stop trying to break our game. Why do you hate it so much, Stanley? That's a terrible approximation. <laughs> that was good. No, that was a very sexy voice there. I, I never would have pegged him as sexy. Stanley, sexy stop Stanley. stomping on our dicks, Stanley. <laughs> uh, Suvlaki Space Station says, For me, it would be where it all began. Sam and Max hit the road. This game was the first real point-and-click adventure game I finished, and it was hilarious from start to finish. From the silly dialogue between Sam and Max to the ridiculous plot that takes them across the country to track down a missing Bigfoot and giraffe girl, only to stumble upon a Bigfoot convention. I played this game so many times in my teens, and recently saw it was available for purchase. I immediately bought it and played through the entire game, laughing the entire time. Runner-up would be Zack McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. I could never figure out what to do on my Commodore 64, but I had a blast figuring out what to do to trigger some silly cutscenes of aliens in hat and nose glasses trying to pretend to be humans running a phone company. <laughs> uh, from the official LaserTime Facebook community, Tyler Watson says, Gone Home was a lot of fun to play. I was very excited when it came up as a PlayStation Plus free game one month, as I'd heard nothing but good things about it, probably on this show. I explored every inch of that house and found myself anxious to discover the next leg of the story as I pressed onward. Still can't get that trophy for completing it under a minute, though. Oh, it's so... Well, yeah, yeah that actually, under a minute is hard. Yes, yes. I can get it, like, in a minute and a few seconds. Mm-hmm. That took a few tries. Hmm. Raymond Fernandez says, I haven't touched in many, many years, but Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Father, left a lasting impression on me. I didn't have a PC growing up and could only play them at my friend's house. The fact that the game had VO from actors I've heard of was amazing to me. Its New Orleans setting and mystical overtones also fit my mood as I love movies like Candyman and The Serpent and the Rainbow. Good choices. Mm. I've been hoping for a re-release of it on iOS like Flight of the Amazon Queen God, but no such luck. That would be really cool. I still have memories of being in high school and I got... uh... Sierra's magazine. It was like called Interaction or something like that. <laughs> uh, it was quarterly, and if you send in your registration card, you you got it uh, basically for life. Yeah. And uh, showing it to a friend, I was like, "Look, look, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker is one of the voices." Like, who gives a shit? Tim Curry is the main character. <laughs> <laughs> 
And if you sent in your your the card wrong, you mm-hmm. died and had to restart your That's life. That's true, yes. Yeah, typical Sierra. But you still got the subscription. <laughs> Mike Miley says, Thimbleweed Park is hands down one of my favorite narrative-focused games, even though it played in the style of an old LucasArts point-and-click. The story's flair for a Twin Peaks-like setup with the humor of those old LucasArts games made it a very enjoyable experience. I, I would say, say, even though it played, that is deliberate. That is <laughs> part of the experience. That is core to the experience. Yes. It feels yeah. like a Maniac Mansion sequel that we never got. Yes, it's Ron Gilbert himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Rank says, I learned how to read playing the Space Quest series. Still holds a special place in my heart, even if they were brutally hard for a five-year-old. Wow, dude. Uh, I had to beg hey. my dad to pay for hints on CompuServe when I got stuck. <laughs> That last sentence makes me feel really old. That last sentence is going to be incomprehensible to anyone who didn't try to use online services in the 80s. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't bring up Prodigy. Pay by the minute. It was like a 900 number, which also I don't think exists anymore. <laughs> Matt Jorgensen says, To the moon. I had picked this game up when it first hit iOS. Dropped it in a folder on my phone and forgot about it. One night after a particularly exhaustive algebra test, yay, college! No, no college. (laughs) I decided I would sit down and play. I wasn't prepared to have to get up out of bed so I could quietly sob, like a little baby, without disturbing my sleeping girlfriend. It still probably sits as one of my favorite games of all time, and maybe the only game that makes that list that I couldn't make myself play again, even if I wanted to. You gotta check that out. Damn. Well, on Twitter, at ZombieXPanda, or possibly ZombieCrossPanda, says, I think Until Dawn would fit into this category pretty well. You're damn right. Yes, absolutely. Watching characters live or die because of choices I made throughout the game really made the story feel personal and unique. Yeah, Until Dawn is a fantastic game, especially if you like horror games. You should play it. Great Halloween game. Go Mm -hmm. play that now. Agreed. At Blacksmith Gamer says, Grim Fandango was by far my favorite game in this category. So much so that later in life, I made a replica scythe from it. And then he has the quote from Grim Fandango. My scythe, I like to keep it close to where my heart used to be. Manny Calavera. At Triscutable says, Alpha Protocol. Because one, Telltale totally stole their dialogue system from that game. Though lacking in the genuine consequence of your choice of words had. Two, that story is legitimately amazing. And three, no sane person would ever play Alpha Protocol for the gameplay. <laughs> That's true. The gameplay, not great. That, but I think I, that game is like, I remember like saying, okay, gameplay-wise, it's like 6, 7 out of 10. I think 7 out of 10 was what I gave it overall, but the story is so, so good. It subverts your expectations, or, or it lets you subvert your own expectations hmm. at every turn. Like, I remember like one of the first big things is like, yeah, you have to go kill this. Your your target is this uh, terrorist mastermind who's very clearly patterned after Osama bin Laden. He's he's Muslim. He's surrounded by goons with AK-47s. And it is entirely possible, rather than just killing him, to uh, turn him to your side, to make him an asset, and to make all of his goons friendly to you. Like, that is such a weirdly powerful feeling that, like, yeah, I'm this guy, and, and because it turns out, like, he's, 
uh, actually a very small fish that's being played up by the people behind him to be a big fish. Like he's actually a paper tiger and who who has like a small army, but really it's bigger people pulling the strings. Now and he you're can just help mixing you, metaphors there. He can help you get to those bigger people. <laughs> okay. And ends to a meme. Finally, we have a video response from Mike Amari. Spoilers ahead. Hello, VJ crew. This is Mike Amari here answering the question of the week. Question of the week, of course, was... What was your favorite narrative-focused video game or kind of uh, story in a video game? Uh, my favorite narrative-focused game probably would have to be Bioshock Infinite. I can already hear hmm. a bunch of people on the internet uh, sharpening their pitchforks and getting their torches ready uh, because people <laughs> don't have a very kind outlook on that game, looking back on it for the most part. Uh, but really, the way the story is told in that game is kind of second to none. Uh, it does a lot of things that you usually see in novels as far as themes and... Uh, literary elements coming back uh, later on in the game. You have things like symbolism popping up in the very beginning and you don't know to look for it until after you've already finished the game and so much like a good book or much like you know a really good movie Bioshock Infinite really does reward multiple playthroughs or multiple reads of it if you will. I could not get enough of that game and its storytelling throughout. I mean listen, the gameplay is what the gameplay is. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit but the storytelling itself following the relationship between Booker and Elizabeth, you know, who we of course find out is his daughter Anna, deals with a lot of really heavy themes and deals with them in a really mature ways. Uh, we see the central theme of someone trying to deal with this uh, decision or situation that was of their own doing and trying to undo it. And the idea that trying to undo something that you've done, trying to erase it or trying to make it better, oftentimes only makes it far, far worse. We see that with Booker becoming Comstock. We see that with Booker selling away his daughter to himself later on as Comstock. Uh, and then when each of these characters try to take it back, when they try to make things better, things only get far worse, even with Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth, when we have the whole thing with the Chinese arms dealer, you know, she opens these tears and tries to remake things and refix things, only to make things far, far worse. And eventually gets to the point where she herself becomes the thing that she w hated, the thing that she didn't want to be, all because she was trying to fix past mistakes. I mean, and if you take a look at how it all wraps up, the fact that it basically ends with a quantum suicide, where the characters have to face the fact that the only way to fix the mistakes they've made were to completely erase themselves from reality in the first place. Really heavy and really fits in thematically with the rest of what that game's doing. And you don't see that in a lot of games. You don't see callbacks. You don't see circular thinking like that. And you definitely don't see things that deal with something on such a literary level. Um, that's not even getting into the, Luce the, the Lutesses and all the different you know story beats that are here and there and just the environmental storytelling. That's just the outright plot that you have to deal with. It really is a complete package as far as storytelling goes. And I, I implore anyone, if you played it once, go back and play it again. You'll see a lot more. You'll understand a lot more. And you'll appreciate a lot more what they did in that game storytelling-wise. Um, of course, that's just my two cents on there. I, of course, could be completely wrong and off base. Um, I want to thank you guys again for listening to me this week. I look forward to talking with you guys again next week. Thank you, Mike Amari. So the moral of the story is don't ever try to change anything. <laughs> uh, you'll just make it worse. Good answer. Uh, uh, although I will say... 
it's cheating, Mike. It's it, I, I specifically said narrative focus, not gameplay focus game. Mm. And so your real answer is actually Night in the Woods. I'm changing your answer <laughs> just to give Night in the Woods uh, some credit. So there you go. Mike Amari yeah. with Night in the Woods is his pick. Somebody really should have said Night in the Woods because that game is awesome. It I think rocks. I think people did, um, mm. but there it was like one of those just oh just Night in the Woods. So a yeah. uh, little little hint here, folks. If you do want to be read on the show. Tell us why you picked something. Give us an anecdote or a story to go mm-hmm. along with it. Those are the answers I tend to pick and we tend to read on the show. Yeah, and I will also say, like, as long as we're in spoiler territory for uh, Bioshock Infinite, uh, which I probably should have prefaced that with a spoiler warning. How uh, dare us. Yeah, uh, but the burial at sea, if you think that's a quantum suicide, oh. you should see what happens in the DLC. That is yeah. probably hands down the best DLC I've ever played in a game. Yeah. I think the the second... Is, is it two episodes or three? It's two. Yeah, I remember the, the second one being, like, simultaneously uh, worse and much, much better than the first one. Uh, but those those did feel a little bit more like classic Bioshock, where you had, like, weird weapons and rather than just, like, the two things that you switch between. Yeah, well, they took you literally well, back to the original Bioshock yes, locations. Yes, they did. <laughs> so... But it was interesting, just because with Elizabeth, you were, it was more of a stealth game, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once once she takes over. After you get to see yourself gutted by a big daddy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Wow, you guys are just in spoiler territory. <laughs> Thanks! <laughs> New question of the week. In line with this week's top five and the... Renewed focus on spookiness or spoopiness for for October. Uh, Who is your favorite monster protagonist? A character that you get to play as who is not human, but some sort of horrific entity, genetic monstrosity, werewolf, vampire, whatever. I think for me, I'm going to go with Alex Mercer, who Mm. is a gross, gross creature who uh, takes the form of a man most of the time, but then... Just sort of uh, lashes out with these nasty black gooey tentacles. He's he's sort of like uh, Venom that wears a disguise all the time, but uh, infinitely grosser because he literally tears people apart and absorbs them. I'm going to go ahead and give an answer on Chris's behalf because he can't be here and we mm-hmm. hope he's being safe. I'm going to say Rick from Splatterhouse. And, oh yeah, that's a good one. And here's why: because Rick basically was ripping off Jason from the Friday the Thirteenth yeah. series, which is my chance to plug the new Elm Street Nightmare Season Two, which is available exclusively to patrons. If you go to Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime, you can hear uh, Chris and Dave Rudden break down all of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Hmm. And then my answer is something that Chris would no doubt make fun of me for. I'm going to go with the main character from Altered Beast. Oh, Rise from good the wave. That's a good one. <laughs> and not only can you, you know, you can fight as a man, but with each level, you are a different monster. You can be a werewolf. You can be that flying dragon dude. So yeah. there are lots of monsters in there. I'm, I'm just mixing up Zeus with Dr. Light in my mind. Rise, <laughs> rise from your c- wave, Mega Man. <laughs> Mega Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they sound... And you can mix them up with the guy from uh, Princess Bride. Malwedge. Malwedge yeah. is what uh-huh. wings us together today. Yeah. Um, but no, I know that game gets a lot of crap. I was old enough where that was the game that came with my Genesis mm-hmm. when I bought Genesis back in the day. I fucking love it. I love that game. And I bought the remake for Game Boy Advance, and I thought that was one of the worst things I ever played. Oh. Because I, I think, it's, I don't I don't know, like, I never remember having trouble getting all the orbs to yeah. turn into the beast yeah. in time. But then it seems like 
that ever since I played that game and like have gone back to the Genesis original and tried to play it, uh, I can never get all the orbs, and so I have to keep cycling through the level over uh, and over again until the boss finally shows up. Yeah, the, the games were hard back then. Yeah, and so yeah, it was hard to get those orbs even back then. But um, no, man, I love that game. I loved it in arcades originally, mm-hmm. and so like. That was Genesis, like, the promise. Like, hey, it's like playing in the arcades. And that game was. Like, even if it wasn't a pixel-for-pixel arcade port, it looked way better than anything else out there at the time. And it was fun. spent so much time hanging around department stores just playing through that first level, fighting to the... Is that the first boss is Agar, the guy who's like a big tree with, like, a horned head that he cuts off and throws at you, like, a hundred times a second. Sweet. Yeah. But that's what I remember about that game, is you could punch, like... If your fingers were fast enough, you could punch like 200 times a second, mm-hmm. and you would just keep playing that animation over and over. Like, bah, 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 bah. Yep. Man. What about you, Josh? Let's see. I think I am going to go with playing as Venom in the Maximum Carnage Super Nintendo. Good mm. choice. Yeah. Timely choice, also. Playing at the new Spider-Man game made me long for that, because that was always my, my favorite Spider-Man game, and so after playing this one and... Wanted to go back and replay that, and it just felt good going around kicking uh, Carnage and all of his flunkies asses mm-hmm. as Venom is just so satisfying. Yeah, yeah, that's that brings back a lot of fond memories because that was that was my sweet spot being like a old enough to I like a young teenager and just playing my favorite superhero game. Nice. Um, so. Who is your favorite monster protagonist? Let us know. Go to vidgegameapocalypse.com. Answer in the comments under episode 285. Alternately, you can go to Facebook and the official Laser Time community and answer there. Or hit us up on Twitter at VGApocalypse. And uh, let us let us know who your favorite uh, monster protagonist and or boyfriend is. Well, maybe not boyfriend, but uh, definitely playable monster <laughs> um anyway that's our show let's go with some plugs josh tell us more about your stuff well like i said uh conspiracy therapy podcast uh, is our dive into conspiracies we make fun of it it's a comedy show before anything ah, else so it's not like pizzagate is it real or super real <laughs> no well we take everything we talk about the history of mm. it and so that way the listener can understand what it is that people believe and at the end of the episode we actually go around the horn and decide if we believe in it or not and, well spoilers most of the time it's not sounds like a fun time do i have to wear a tinfoil hat if i listen that's up to you we tend to put them on our nipples are there wars info or otherwise <laughs> oh boy uh, alex jones is a We've had discussions about him, but... I'm sure he could fill out an entire season of your podcast. <laughs> we did do one episode on him, hmm. But, uh, yeah, and of course there's uh, the Potty Slam podcast, which is posted in the Laser Time subgroup Wrestle Time, and that we talk about crazy stories about professional wrestlers. The thing that's fun about that show is you don't have to actually watch wrestling to understand these stories because it's the crazy stuff they do outside of the ring most of the time. So, yeah, we I post that in the Russell Time group every Friday morning, and then, like I said, we have our um, music history podcast that's called Off Tempo, and it's it's in the same vein. And besides those, I started doing games review 
uh, about a month and a half, two months ago now. And if you are interested in reading my reviews, you can find that at uh, GamePit.com, DemonGaming.com, and SquareXO.com. All right. Awesome. And uh, Matt, what's cooking on the old Patreon? Well, I've already plugged a few things throughout this show, mm-hmm. but I might as well plug them again. Um, so I talked about Chris has been doing an awesome job with Dave Rudden on Elm Street Nightmare Season 2, where they're going through the Friday the 13th series this time. Uh, and it's available exclusively to Patreon subscribers. Um, I was just telling Michael I got my platinum for Spider-Man. Congrats! After uh, after initially having a bug where I beat the game and it didn't pop, the last one didn't... Well, so the last two trophies didn't pop because the last one is for beating the game. So did you have to get a new TV after you threw your controller through it? (laughs) No, (laughs) but I did have to replay through the last boss fight. And let me just tell you, that stuff not as emotional when you're just skipping all the cinematics Mm, and trying to hurry through as quickly as you can. Um, But I I got that, which means now I really want to do our spoiler cast we've been teasing Mm, for quite a while. Which means I have to finish it. You have to finish this. But I have to set aside Assassin's Creed Odyssey long enough to finish it. You do, yeah. Well, I mean, I had to set aside Forza Horizon Mm. 4 long Mm-hmm. Did you guys hear that the Spider-Man game actually has one of the highest completion rate uh, percentages for the Platinum? In the really? Sony I did catalog? hear that, and I think I know why. Um, as I was playing through it, I was doing a lot of stuff that you actually don't need to do for the Platinum. Uh, because, like, a lot of the things that you would think, oh, yeah, I got to get all this, there's going to be a trophy. No, there's, like, you don't need to buy. You know what? I'm going to save all this for the spoiler cast, folks. Ooh. To get that, you got to go to patreon.com slash laser time, and but we'll be I doing that soon. hear it. I'm sorry. That's called a tease. Ah. All right. Well, as always, you can hit us up on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or follow me personally at Wikiparas. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Or did I? I?